0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, January 26th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village discusses comprehensive plan amendments, Blues and Brews crafts a new festival experience, Telluride Tourism Board talks future, and a mountain weather forecast. But first... Internet and some cell service went down in San Miguel County on Tuesday, the result of a fiber line cut in Montrose County during road construction. Internet went out around 1 p.m. and did not come back until roughly 8 p.m. Mountain Village is getting close to having an amended comprehensive plan. The Comprehensive Plan, or Comp Plan, is the town's guiding light for development. It was first adopted in 2011 with the intention to have it in place for 30 years. But now, just 10 years later, the town is going back to the document for an amendment. The town isn't making huge changes, rather amendments that simplify the document and take into consideration economic changes, like Airbnbs and VRBOs, that weren't a reality 10 years ago. Once complete, the document will cover a range of visions for the town over the next 30 years, from economic development and land use to hotbeds and housing. Mountain Village is working with two consulting firms on the amendment process. Last week, Ellie Schaefer with MIG and Andrew Knudsen with Economic Planning Services talked through the latest changes to the document. The areas of discussion, hotbeds, community housing inventory, and public benefits for development. When it comes to hotbeds, those are primarily hotel rooms, the amended comp plan lowers the targeted number from over 1,000 proposed beds in 2011 to around 500 now.
1: This map is really now focused on the village center um, with six different properties identified um, as targets.
0: That's Schaefer. She says the plan breaks down the hotbeds to priority sites and other potential sites. According to Knudsen, if the town builds on all the priority and potential lots, the town would roughly double the number of hotbeds in the community.
2: We have about
3: 800 existing hotbeds. We have about 500 in in the high priority, and then we've got about 300 in the potential. So uh, as an order of magnitude uh, compared to the 800 that we have today, uh, there'd be a max uh, of another 800, including all of the, the potential, which may or may not come to fruition.
0: He notes the increase of hotbeds does not include warm beds, those Knudsen describes as condos that may rent as a short-term rental, but aren't necessarily housing visitors on a nightly basis. He notes developments that mix hotbeds and warm beds can often be the sweet spot. That
3: integration of, of uh, condominiums and, and conventional lodging room and rooms are uh, hotel rooms. It's a conventional approach that seems to work uh, for a lot of Uh, Big hotel investors, and we're likely to
1: see that again.
0: Mayor Leila Benitez notes that a number of sites could handle more hot beds than the comp plan proposes, but through the amendment, town council wants to convey what the more realistic number of beds would be.
4: There were things in there that you know were never going to happen, like we were never going to go and take some of the condos in the plazas and tear them down and turn them into hotels. So some of those were taken out as well, so that it it is realistic and the community can have an idea of you know what the real numbers look like versus what they anticipated 11 years ago
0: the next topic community housing inventory Schaefer says the amended document will highlight a number of initiatives the town is working on.
1: Really throughout this uh, process, but especially last time we met with you, we were charged with really elevating the importance of community housing and the comprehensive plan, hitting it from a bunch of different angles. Um, so one thing we've de- we did previously was we included the community housing map. We're also just added, we've added a little more information about community housing mitigation methodology. Finally, public benefits. According
0: to the comp plan, public benefits are, quote, infrastructure improvements, service enhancements, and amenities that contribute to the well-being of the community. Often, a public benefit will be included in development agreements. The plan includes a table outlining what some of those benefits could be.
1: The public benefits section, it's the table in particular, is really like a tool for the town um, to acquire certain rights and properties um, that they'd be expected to have. So largely the updates as part of this amendment were um, updating it based on things that aren't needed anymore or have been accomplished. The
0: table lays out specifics. A development provides an easement to the town or creates trails when it decides to build or it will rezone a specific area. Council member Dan Caton wonders if that's the best way to outline the benefits.
5: I'm concerned about connecting things so closely. I'd be more inclined to have a list of public benefits that anybody could choose from. Now, obviously some of those are directly tied to the the owner of something. Um, So I'm wondering if it wouldn't just be better to create a list of what those are without triggers and just say, you wanna develop? Here's your schmongous board of public benefits that you can choose from.
0: Council was supportive of creating a more flexible list of potential public benefits, but Benitez wants to ensure there's community buy-in.
4: I'm totally on board with laundry list and the menu, <laughs> but I think we have to bring the public in as a part of that discussion. I don't think it's about us like thinking it's a great idea. I think we need community buy-in or at least awareness that this is happening because they're the ones that help create this document and they, are un- they understand the commitment that was made to them.
0: The town of Mountain Village is looking for community input on the draft comprehensive plan through February 10th. The town plans to adopt the amended document in March. Gone is blues and bruises grand tasting.
6: We really wanted to progress what we were doing as a beer festival um, to kind of get up to speed what other beer festivals were doing in the industry um, and just make it more enjoyable for the core beer fan at Blues & Brews.
0: That's Patrick Sheehan, partnership director for SBG Productions, which produces Blues & Brews. This year, rather than the traditional tasting on Saturday, Blues & Brews will host a Brewer's Showcase, a mix of tasting sessions.
6: We're going to do two a day on Friday, Saturday, and then one Sunday morning. There's going to be 21 breweries at each session, and then a lot less people um, for two hours, unlimited tastings. So it's a lot more focused, um, a lot more time to chat with a brewer um, or a brewery rep. Try a few different beers. Um, You know, we're going to have 60 beers in each session or more, so there's still going to be plenty of beer to try.
0: There will be a selection of collaborative beers curated by the Colorado Brewers Guild.
6: The best example I have for that is if two breweries get together and brew a beer together ahead of the festival. Um, So there will be some unique beers in there.
0: The House of Brews and the High Altitude Lounge
6: is going away from just... Um, five breweries and one style beer throughout the weekend to a rotating style beer each day. So there'll be five or more different beers in there each day from different breweries. Um, and then Sierra Nevada is coming back, our title sponsor and they are coming back with their variety of beer. Um, they'll do a, another festival only special beer and then a bunch of rare beers at the high altitude lounge
0: And a beer pairing dinner to kick off the festival at the Black Iron Grill in Mountain Village.
6: I'll be a five or six course meal paired with different craft beers from breweries at the festival, and brewers will be there to talk with folks.
0: Sheehan says the shift from the tasting to the showcase will hopefully make the beer festival more dynamic and intimate. He notes they love the grand tasting, but the team felt it was lacking for both the attendees and the brewers.
6: Anyone who's attended knows it's fun, and we We love it, but it really was a rush to drink as much beer as you could. And then for breweries to get into the park on Saturday morning and out, um, one thing we're doing with this new experience is every brewer that comes um, is not only going to sample beer, but we're going to sell it at the House of Brewers. So they're more a part of the festival, and um, they're going to be around for the whole weekend rather than just one day.
0: Sheehan acknowledges that change can be hard, but he encourages everyone to give the new format a chance.
6: Get ready to listen to some music and try some beers this September.
0: The Blues and Brews Festival will take place in Telluride September 16th to 18th, 2022. The Telluride Tourism Board is pivoting.
5: We don't need to set records anymore. We just need to have a nice consistent flow. That respects the quality of life of all of We live here too. I always remind people a uh, quality of life, but also lets our locally owned businesses employ locals so that they can live in this community.
0: That's TTB chair Dan Jansen, who spoke on Kodo this week with other leaders from the tourism board. Earlier this month, the board announced longtime CEO and president Michael Martelon would be stepping down. As TTB assesses this new chapter, Jensen says it wants to engage with the community.
5: We're going to take a step back with our board and really focus on what uh, we think is next and the extent to which we need to replace them or find some some different skill set is kind of an open question. And we're going to have an open dialogue with the governments and the ski company and the business community uh, about what that should be.
0: Tourism, Jensen notes, is 80 percent of the local economy. So the aim is sustainability.
5: We don't want peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys. If we can kind of smooth it out a bit so it feels more balanced for all of us who are here. Um, We want to have longevity uh, in that crash during the next recession. We want to not be overwhelmed when we have boom times.
0: Managing visitors is a piece of that puzzle. Kiera Skinner is director of marketing and public relations for the tourism board. One lever she points to is targeting people to come to the region by plane rather than by car.
7: If we can do that, then we'll reduce the traffic. Um, People can shuttle in and then we'll just have more pedestrians. And, you know, that's a great opportunity to market all of the activities that Mountain Village offers. They can take the gondola up. So I think there's a lot of ways to manage it without telling people they can't come.
0: Dispersion is another piece. Here's Jansen.
5: Getting people to understand there's more than just four trails in in Telluride in terms of hiking.
0: Looking to this coming summer, Skinner predicts it will look similar to last summer in terms of visitors. But she also notes a decrease in concern about COVID could shift things.
7: As that confidence increases, I feel like people will, you know, migrate more to the cities for vacations and international travel as well, right? So I think that the mountain destinations... um, we'll see less, you know, of the influx that, that we have um, over the past few summers. And again, we may see a, another busy summer, but I think that will pro- will hopefully plateau. Looking even
0: further ahead, Johnson says there are concerns about 2023.
5: There's a lot of pent-up demand in our visitor base, and we get that a sense from a lot of consumer research. A lot of our part-time uh, locals who have spent four, five, six months here in the last year or two Maybe you're going to spend one too, and they face that Bumps versus Bahamas decision. There's a lot of pent up international demand.
0: Monitoring those potential changes will depend on data. Openness around that data, Jensen adds, is a priority.
5: I would like to have some kind of a dashboard that captures the data in a very simple visual way, kind of like what the county did with COVID. I'm sorry, it's a horrible <laughs> parallel. But they had that dashboard that people could go to every day and see how things are changing. And, and should we develop something like that? If people have suggestions, we, we really want transparency. We're not hiding anything, but we also don't want to overwhelm people with data that's not actionable for them.
0: It's hard to imagine Telluride, Mountain Village, and the surrounding region without tourism. But what local tourism management looks like may be changing. To hear the full hour-long conversation with leaders from the Telluride Tourism Board, head to KOTO.org and click on Off the Record under the News tab. Whether it's concerts or parties or a quick apres ski, the transfer warehouse has become a hub for community gathering over the last few years. But the Telluride Arts District also has plans for the future of the beloved space. Next week, architects working on the redesign will present the latest plans for the space. There will be two opportunities to see the presentation. On Wednesday, February 2nd, the Transfer Warehouse will host a poll party to reveal story polls from 3 to 5 p.m., followed by a design presentation. There will also be a presentation on Thursday, February 3rd at 10 a.m. at the Wilkinson Public Library. The Arts District notes seating for the Transfer Warehouse design presentation is limited and will be available on a first-come, first-served basis. The Nugget Theater is back once more. The movie theater has been primarily closed since March 2020 with moments of film magic. And this week, it will reopen its doors again. The Nugget is scheduled to reopen on Friday, January 28th with Spider-Man No Way Home. Showtimes are at 5.30 and 8.30 p.m. Coming attractions are planned to include The Tragedy of Macbeth, House of Gucci, Encanto, West Side Story, and Nightmare Alley. The Montrose County School District officially selected new mascots for Montrose High and Centennial Middle School at a special session of the school board on Tuesday night. KVNF's Gavin Dahl has more.
2: MHS Principal Jim Barnhill walked the school board through the role students played in their decision-making process and then revealed the final conclusion reached by the mascot committee there.
7: We were 92% consensus on Red Hawks as number one. So 12 of 13 committee members came back and said, Moncho's red
2: Ops. Centennial Principal Joe Simo shared a presentation about their process and the need to make changes for athletics, facilities, office materials, and student and staff gear. Then as he wrapped up, he misspoke, causing an accidental laugh line.
7: We're recommending Centennial Middle School become the Braves to oh, the what? Bears. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the Braves <to> the Bears. <laughs> nice catch. We don't want to change. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Board President Sarah Fishering thanked each of the schools and committees for their work and then put the decision up for a vote. Thank
7: you for your presentations,
8: and I know that the committees have worked really hard and it's been potentially really controversial, So thanks for
2: all of your hard work
5: and for getting the student input too. Can I get a motion? I move to approve Resolution 03-2022, Resolution to remove the mascot Centennial Braves to bears, replace it with bears. And to
2: remove the mascot, Montrose High School Indians to the Redhawks.
8: Okay,
7: uh, Mr. Bush. Aye. Mrs. Fishering Boats, aye. aye. Mr. Kelly. Aye. Mrs. Murphy.
8: Aye. Mr. Supers. Aye. Mr. West. Aye. Okay, aye.
2: thank you. Montrose County School District estimates nearly a million dollars in cost to complete the process, driven by a new state law outlawing derogatory mascots.
0: Redistricting is bringing lots of changes to Colorado. Voters in Greeley and North Denver are gearing up for a spirited campaign to elect a new congressperson in the November midterms, and voters on the western slope are joining a new district that is shaking up their political reality. KOTO's Scott Franz has more on how residents in northwestern Colorado are reacting to their new spot on the congressional map.
3: Savannah Wolfson doesn't mince words as she describes what some people in Oak Creek think of their new congressional district stretching all the way to Boulder County.
9: They're mad as hell. They're mad as hell. Especially the ranchers.
3: Wolfson is a Republican who says her town's priorities are quite different from those on the Front Range. Oak Creek is a small community in Route County that's known for its contributions to the coal mining industry. It welcomes hunters and is close to sprawling ranches set against the Flat Top Mountains. And
9: with our water interests being so different, especially we feel really that the front range tries to take away a lot of our resources.
3: Oak Creek has less than a 1,000 residents. It went from being represented by first-term Republican Lauren Boebert in the 3rd Congressional District to being a part of the 2nd Congressional District that's represented by Democrat Joe Nagoose. Wolfson thinks the new boundaries will exacerbate an urban-rural divide.
9: My community's needs will be ignored because has anyone in Boulder ever heard of Oak Creek, Colorado? I don't think so. It's a really long drive for us to even get there. We don't have geographical commonality with them. They voted in Wolves, whereas we didn't.
3: Wolfson was one of dozens of Route County residents asking an independent commission last fall to keep the county in the third congressional district. But residents in the nearby and more populated community of Steamboat Springs felt a stronger connection to other resort counties like Grand and Summit.
9: If you were a politician, and you were looking to get the most votes, would you come to South Route or would you go to the bigger cities on the Front Range that we're looped in with? It's just a more efficient use of your time to go to somewhere like Boulder and get a massive crowd versus coming to Oak Creek or
8: Yampa or Frippsburg. I think it's an exciting new district.
3: But 20 miles to the north in Steamboat Springs, Democrat Katherine Carson is excited about the new map and where Wolfson sees contrasts and concerns Carson sees similarities and opportunities.
8: When you've got six other counties in the new CD2, that have similar issues like the need for climate action, it gives our our legislator the opportunity to partner with the communities and find very meaningful legislation and actions.
3: Carson sees the new district elevating concerns like housing shortages, which have hurt resort towns as they try to rebound from the pandemic. Instead of being in a sprawling rural district with places like Grand Junction, Route will have the same representative as places like Vale and Winter Park.
8: Our ski counties, you know, Route County included, are, are in a, a housing crisis right now, and having that district-wide voice for affordable housing legislation—anything um, from you know funding for for infrastructure to the low-income housing tax credit program is gonna make a make a big difference for us.
3: Back in Oak Creek, Savannah Wolfson sees her new political neighbors very differently.
8: A lot of the
9: ranchers who have been here for five generations are feeling like they have less rights than somebody who moved here more recently.
3: Voters in the new second district will get their first chance to pick a representative during the midterm election this fall. But political scientists say races heavily favor incumbent candidates. And Wolfson does not see her new political reality changing anytime soon.
9: I see it as an unwinnable seat, frankly. I'll
8: spend my time in winnable races. I've already had a, quite a bit of a communication from Congressman Neguse's office just asking and how they could help and what the issues are, much more than I, I had had from our, our previous Congress people.
3: Neither Carson nor Wolfson mentioned their specific representatives very much when talking about their switch to the 2nd District. Both say they are more focused on the issues in their district instead of who leads it. I'm Scott Franz.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 10 degrees. Thursday, there is a 30% chance of snow showers with mostly sunny skies and a high near 30. Thursday night, expect mostly clear skies with a low around 10 degrees. Friday calls for sunny skies during the day and clear skies at night, with a high near 40 and a low around 15. This has been the news for Wednesday, January 26th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. True North presenta Universidad 101 en Zoom a las 6 del 30 de enero y es gratis. Esta presentación es para estudiantes y padres de grados 8 al 11 de los distritos escolares de Telluride, Norwood, and West End. Para obtener más información, visite www.truenorthyouthprogram.org o llama al 970 in colorado we all know the winter months can be tough the cold and snow can make it difficult to leave the house and a lack of social interaction can be isolating talking to a therapist can help but therapy can also be expensive if cost is a barrier the san miguel behavioral health fund can help the fund can help you pay for online therapy from a variety of colorado licensed therapists you may even qualify to get therapy for free. Just go to tchnetwork.org slash programs slash bh-fund to apply. Take charge of your mental health and get affordable care now.
4: Hello there, CODO listeners. It's Sarah Holbrook, the Executive Director of the Pennet Institute, bringing STEM education to rural southwestern Colorado, Um, And I have a crazy science story for you. I think you might have heard, I've talked about the James Webb Space Telescope before. Um, And it's going to be looking back in time to 13.7 billion years ago when the cosmos was created. Uh, But anyhow, it's just traveled nearly a million miles and it's found its final destination. It's in this really groovy spot between... The sun and the earth, where the gravitational forces of both co This spot is called the Lagrange point, or L2. Anyhow, it's hanging out there. It's going to be before summer, before we actually get images back, because they have to do all sorts of calibrations. But it made it a million miles And now it's going to start doing its thing. They need to make sure everything is fine-tuned first, of course. Um, But you want to hear what's fine-tuning at Pinhead? Well, it's the Ski PE Alternative course that we're doing. Um, The kids have been learning all sorts of things, including learning about the crystallization of snow and ice um, and engineering snow to create different structures like igloos. So they built with snow during their outdoor time, and they're going to plan on building indoor igloos with gumdrops. Um, We also started our Maker Mondays just this Monday. There's still some spaces for slightly older kids in this Maker Mondays class. Um, They've been making different types of Play-Doh to create squishy circuits, uh, a conductor and an insulator. Doesn't that sound fabulous? Also, um, Luis has been teaching a slightly older group of robotics kids with the Lego robotics, and it's such a small group that each kid gets to program their own robot. And Luis is having so much fun that he was saying that he wished he could bring a robot home with him because he loves first Lego League robotics just that much. I, meanwhile, have been meeting with all of the interns, hearing about what they're interested in studying this summer, hoping that we'll be able to find fabulous host families. If you're interested in helping us host kids, please get in touch with me, sarah at pinheadinstitute.org. We have not started to place them yet, so we don't know where they'll be going. Uh, But we have kids who are interested in marine biology, criminology, medicine, physics, ecosystems, gene editing, sports science. It goes on and on, and these kids are terrific. Just so you know a little bit more about the program, these are all kids who are between their junior and senior year of high school. They come to us from Cortez, Dolores, Telluride, Ridgeway, Ure, Montrose, Olathe, Norwood, Newclan, Adarita, and Paradox. Those are all um, the service areas where we run our internship program and our scholars in the schools. And a lovely shout out to Joyce, the town engineer who went to Cortez on Monday with Elena, one of our staffers. I think it was a great visit to the Cortez High School. That's it for now. Check us out at pinheadinstitute.org.
0: Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Coto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.